This podcast is sponsored by Luke1977. Use my discount code MAX20 to get yourself 20% off on almost anything over at Luke. Obviously, it's getting a little bit colder outside and Luke have just brought out the brand new Autumn 23 range and there's some absolute beauties in there. So if you fancy getting yourself a bargain and also supporting the channel, please go and use the code MAX20 over at Luke. Right, hello and welcome back to the Villa on Tour podcast. I'm your host, Max Stokes, as ever, joined by Simon Line. Simon, quite a bit to get through this week, talking about Poland, talking about Chelsea. We've clocked up some miles this week, haven't we, right? How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm really, really good. Yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind few days, hasn't it, in Poland? And then straight back to Chelsea. Yeah, it's been a really, really hectic sort of schedule, but... Yeah, I'm good. I'm doing really good. Please do subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening on, whether that's Spotify, Apple. Please do subscribe so you never miss an episode, usually out every Monday or Tuesday, depending on sort of what day Villa play on. Do check out all the recent videos on Villa on Tour uh, as well. Like I said, lots of games over there. Poland, that video's done really well. Lots of uh, Polish people enjoying that, and the support's been really, really good on the Chelsea one, of course, as ever as well. So go and check those out if you haven't already. Without further ado, let's get into the show. So, logical place to start. Feels like a bit of a while ago now. A lot's happened since, but let's talk a little bit about Poland. We uh, flew from Luton on the Wednesday night and we got to Poland. I think, I mean, it was a little bit delayed, wasn't it, our flight? So I think we ended up getting out to our hotel room at like, what was it, half 1, 2 a.m. So we had about six or seven hours sleep on the night, ready for match day. Um, talk about the accommodation a little bit. If anyone's seen the video, you'll know exactly what it's like. But it was a bit like a, it was just a, a tower block, wasn't it? Just like bog standard flats. None of this hotel nonsense, three, four, five star, none of that. It was just a, a genuine just felt like a flat wasn't it but did the job it weren't in there much um did the job didn't it yeah it wasn't the best was it i mean it you, you <laughs> definitely got what you paid for it was what was it, it was like four it was no about 20 about 25 quid each a night wasn't it um bargain yeah uh i mean like and we all we all had one didn't we we had like about five apartments between all of us and <laughs> i've got to say like my uh my brother wasn't too impressed with his accommodation i don't know whether he he's got a bit more of an expensive taste to uh to us or something but yeah he wasn't impressed at all but nah you know what it was all right it was just somewhere to put our head wasn't it really and um mm. yeah it wasn't great it was just a yeah a big old block of flats essentially but now nah, it did the job right in the center of warsaw you know you can't moan can you no, not at all. And it maybe wasn't the best flat, but the views are absolutely incredible. Right, Like you said, right in the centre of Warsaw. And I really like Warsaw. I think it was about a 20, 25 minute walk, wasn't it, from uh, our hotel to the sort of old town, which I thought was absolutely stunning. I mean, if you again, if you've seen the video, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. But I love going to these sort of places. And I said, like, when you think of the phrase sort of European tour, you picture yourselves in these sort of places, the, the old town squares and having a drink in these sort of outside bars. And it was just absolutely beautiful. The weather was absolutely stunning, like 27 degrees and that sort of whole Thursday wasn't it just having a few drinks and walking around the city uh, we clocked up a fair few steps on that Thursday but it was well worth it it's a really really nice city isn't it Warsaw yeah yeah absolutely it was uh yeah it was, it was lovely wasn't it yeah and it's just uh I, I quite like these European cities it just reminded me when I went to Krakow uh, last year for that weekend mm-hmm. we had it was just uh yeah a really nice place really really cheap as well wasn't it um so yeah you can't beat it really cheap beers cheap food cheap everything really cheap transport yeah it was it was it was really good i, I liked it 
Yeah, I think we worked it out as about £3 a point, which, again, is very, very decent. Can't turn that down. What did you make of the sort of policing situation? Because we were walking around all day. We weren't like, in the pubs all day. I think there was a couple of designated Irish pubs that the sort of police and villa had told us to go to. But we saw, what time did you go there? Was it about 2 o'clock, maybe? Maybe 3 o'clock? Um, and it was full of villa at then singing. And there was sort of a line of police and police vans just stood outside of these pubs. Like, they weren't getting involved. They weren't saying anything. There was, like, a, a couple of them, like, just walking up and down the street for hours and hours literally just protecting us which i thought was really good to be fair i mean there was plenty of police i think in the end saw reports of there was like 1500 so that's basically one for every villa fan but to be fair before the game they were really really good looking after us just staying out the way and yeah it was it was nice to have them there wasn't it because you've heard all the things about going to poland and what the ultras are like and things like that so it was uh it was it was comforting wasn't it <laughs> yeah yeah it was good i mean yeah, it was it was good. It was very heavy-handed in terms of like not. With, I don't mean in terms of with us, but I mean in terms of like there was that many police there. Like we barely saw um, a, a, a legend of Warsaw fan, did we? Which was a bit. Mm. It was a bit weird, but um, they were there to stop any trouble from happening, which is which it did the job, didn't it? Because we didn't see mm. any trouble. There wasn't any trouble, um, and yeah, it kept us safe, didn't it? Essentially, so yeah, you can't you can't moan, I suppose. Yeah, so we had a few few hours in those Irish bars singing songs as well. It was very, very good. The atmosphere was great. The atmosphere was really building. And then they put on these free buses, didn't they? I think, did we get on the first one or was it the second one? We definitely got one of the earlier buses, didn't we? Free bus. It was absolutely packed full of villa, like one of these bendy buses. Took us a strange little way to the stadium, about 20 minutes to the stadium. Got off right outside the away end. Walks just up along the canal and then into the stadium where... They were pretty hard on, on checks, weren't they? I think they obviously have to have your passport number on the ticket, so there's none of this passing on tickets or anything like that. You have to fill in a, a travel form when you buy your ticket, and it's 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 quite a lot, isn't it? It is, but I mean, it's got to be done for these European away games. Suddenly got into the stadium, and it was a decent stadium, wasn't it? I quite liked it. Like, it sort of one of these bowls, but it still had that sort of European character, didn't it, with the wide-open concourses, and you are able to go up to the upper tier, lower tier, whatever you wanted to do. I was a big fan of the stadium. Yeah, I think I said on the video, didn't I, that it was quite unique. Like, it wasn't just your traditional sort of stadium bowl like you get in, in England. It was, uh, I mean, a lot of thought had been put into it, sort of thing. It was, I thought it was a really nice stadium, to be fair. And yeah, really lot wide open concourses gave you, like, the illusion that the space was, like, a lot bigger than than what it was essentially mm. I think they made made good use of the space inside the concourse um, so no I was a big fan of it I thought it was really a really really nice ground and I mean from every, any seat in the away end I mean the view was like brilliant of the pitch wasn't it so mm. yeah you couldn't you couldn't moan about the ground at all I thought it was really good yeah it was and even about half an hour before kickoff, you could see the Legia Warsaw fans putting up uh, certain TIFOs the big green white and red TIFO that came down that looked very very good I was really excited about that before the game I was looking forward to the sort of pyros and fireworks but obviously that didn't happen because they were still under some sort of investigation by UEFA because of something they did in the previous rounds. So they've got to be a little bit careful. And then as the game kicks off, they brought out this massive gorilla sort of TIFO that had really red eyes, which I thought looked absolutely class. Obviously, it read, Welcome to the Jungle. So I really like that. I've just got to applaud it. I think it was it was really good. And it's obviously something that, as an English fan who goes week in, week out in England, it's just something we haven't experienced, is it? Yeah, no, it was it was it was brilliant, wasn't it? It's not something that we that we get in England and yeah, no, it was it was a really good display. It was uh, it was yeah something really really good to see and yeah fair, fair play to fair play to the Warsaw fans because they made a lot of noise throughout, didn't they? And it was um, it was quite a, a quite a hostile atmosphere for the players really. I mean, every touch Villa player a Villa player had it was met with like a chorus of like boos and whistles, wasn't it straight mm -hmm. away? And so yeah, it was quite a 
quite a hostile hostile atmosphere to play in. I'm sure that sure I'm sure most of the players wouldn't have been used to playing in like an atmosphere like that. So yeah, fair play to them. They 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 made it difficult and they made it you know made themselves the twelfth man sort of thing, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. I think obviously by the away end, the home fans weren't the rowdiest. There was sort of I don't know if it was the family section or anything like that, but it was sort of a little bit more muted, wasn't it? I think the other end was where the ultras were behind that goal. But even the side stand, the big one, they were bouncing, and yeah, the atmosphere was very good. As soon as Villa got in their half, the whistles were absolutely deafening, and it was it was just it was just really good to experience something like that. I'm sure we will experience more of that uh, when we get into the more European games. The video is funny because I'm looking at the. Um, the sort of demographics of people who've watched my video, like I've gone into the analytics and about 30% of people who've watched the video from Poland and you go in the comments section on YouTube and everyone's in Polish. A lot of them are really nice actually, saying really, really kind of things about Villa and about me and about the video and stuff. So that was really, really nice. But unfortunately, I think we'll have to we'll get into the game, which which wasn't ideal. We started pretty slow, didn't we? Conceding an early goal on the road, which we, which, which we seem to have got in some sort of habit of. And uh, we reacted fast, didn't we, with the, with the Duran goal. But again, it was just disappointing to get off that to that slow start. Yeah, it was just, we switched off again, didn't we? I mean, it was only after three minutes and, you know, cross comes in and, like, Luca Dean's, like, asleep at, like, the back post, isn't he? And, you know, it's it's just far too, it's far too easy. And, um, and yeah, all of a sudden, after three minutes, we, we find ourselves one nil down and um, it just sets the stall out a little bit, doesn't it? Um, mm. And, yeah, we responded quickly, which is what we needed. Obviously, you know, the shot from Zaniolo to respond was a great shot and it was tipped, a great save, actually, tipped onto the bar and, John Duran with a really, really, you know, good, good finish, and yeah, you, know, you hope from that point we're going to sort of, you know, kick on. You know, we've had our early scare, we've responded really quickly, and mm, now it's our chance yeah. to kick on. But it didn't quite happen like that, did it? No, it didn't. And all three goals were were pretty dreadful, weren't they? They were pretty, like, really, really bad goals. Two, the first two I think were pretty similar, but the third one I think is is the pick for me. He's just running through, allowing him to run through, and the shot seems to dribble past him. It's like we've said it previously. It's like we like to play this way, which is a little bit slow, reserved. You don't want to go too gung ho, which is great when you're one nil up. But I think when you're losing, it's like there doesn't seem to be too much urgency. And I, what do you put that down to? The defeat. I mean, you mentioned the atmosphere. It's probably an element of that. Obviously, it's going to be new to so many of those players, but we. We brought on the likes of Matty Cash, Louise, Watkins, Diaby, Jacob Ramsey was very good when he came on as well. So bringing on these big hitters with, you know, half an hour to go, just didn't click all night, did it for Villa going forward? We didn't seem to test their keeper. No, we didn't. And I, and I just, um, I don't like making that many changes for cup games, if I'm being honest. And um, I think it, I've talked about it a lot. I've, I've, I remember talking about it after the Stevens game last January and saying that, you know, if you come up against a team that is playing their first eleven. And they've got nothing to lose, really. And then you're fielding a side with five or six or more changes. I just feel like I just feel like the chances of you, you know, being sort of accomplished in the game and getting and getting out there with a comfortable win, as most people expect, I I think the chance of that goes down by quite a lot. And not and not because of the quality of players, just because you're making so many changes and and it's and it, and it disrupts things. And I think yeah. it was the bat line that it disrupted essentially. You know, you look at it and. We took quite a made quite a lot of changes in that back line. Obviously, Chambers comes in at right back. Longley comes in um, at, at that centre half, and it just I don't know. It just feels like it was. It, it just felt like it was a bit too much for me. I I just, I just and then obviously big hitters like Diaby, Watkins were on the bench, and um, yeah, it just felt like probably a bit too much. Which I, I I get it. I get the I get the reasoning behind it. I understand that we have to use the squad. We got 
such mm. a big amount of games that we're gonna ha- we're, ne- we're gonna need the entire squad. I just don't know whether the first game away was 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 the game to do it in. I, like I'd I'd personally have had like as strong as you possibly could, and then uh, probably look to you know if you get that first win out of the way, you know you can look to make maybe more changes at home against like uh, Mustar or. Um, or like later in the competition away at Mustar or something like that. I just, I just think the first game makes it a bit more risky, and I think obviously we lost the game, which was really disappointing. Um, I mean, on the overall like play of the game in terms of chances, in the end, Villa probably shouldn't have lost the game. We probably should have got a point at least, um, especially with the chances at the end from like Ramsey and Tielemans. Yeah. But the fact is, we've made it difficult for ourselves now because. You know, it's sort of blown the group wide open, especially with the other result. How Altmar lost the Mustard. It's sort of that's blown. crazy. That was, by the way. <laughs> well, RZ three 0 up and, and chucks it three 0 up at halftime, and with what four three down on like seventy five minutes. That's that's mental. Yeah, exactly. And so it's kind of blown the group wide open. It's going to mean that we're going to need a pretty faultless sort of record at home, and we're probably going to need to go to well one of these teams, uh, Altmar or Mustard, and get the win. Um, which I think we will do. I still think we will, and I think we've got it in us to do that. Um, it just makes things that slightly more complicated, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm surprised by the selection, and I was at the time, because he played a, a pretty full-strength team against Hibs, didn't he, away from home? And that was a, a massively easy game. Obviously, first game in, in the competition proper, going away to Legia Warsaw, which we said was probably going to be one of the hardest games, and playing a side which, you know, you've just come off a win against Palace, and you're going there and, and you're expecting the same sort of team. We, we said we'd go strong. So it's a little bit strange. I'm surprised that Emery got that wrong, because it's not like he's new to Europe, is he? Like, he'd been in it for, like, 16 years in, in consecutive years. So I'd, yeah, it was a strange one, but I think we'll recover. Like I, I don't think it's too much to panic about on the first game, to be honest. And let's be serious, like it's going to give us a bit of a kick up the arse, isn't it? So we're not going to let that happen again. Talk a little bit about what happened after the game. I think we all knew we'd been held in the away end for about 40, 45 minutes after the game. Everybody knew that. People were going to get food, going to the toilets, sort of just chilling out in the away end because obviously the police wanted the, the home fans to disperse. So to paint a picture, we were sort of stood on the stairs outside the away end. There was gates at the bottom of the stairs and we were all sort of just stood there, just chatting. It was fairly calm, to be fair. There wasn't too many police around. How long would you say we were there for? Do you reckon 45 minutes or so we were stood on those stairs? I think it was longer than that. I think it was about an hour. We were still on them stairs. And then we had the ridiculous thing once the gates finally opened. We were all crammed down that sort of just like single path, didn't we, towards where the buses were. Um, and then we had that, there was a line of police with their shields at the at the front of it. Um, and we were all being sort of boarded onto the buses again. But what was ridiculous was there was that, there were supposed to be five buses, which wasn't enough anyway um you know you got to remember there were 1700 people in the way end um there were supposed to be five buses but then that for some reason after the game that turned into three buses um so you can imagine brilliant you can imagine how you know how long it took for all the villa fans to to get on get on buses i mean in total I, i'm swear it was about two two and a half hours we were at that ground for after the mm. game in total Do you know what? i think the villa fans deserve a lot of credit for not um for not kicking off not causing anything because it felt like so we just we just praised the police before the game for how they handled it, um, but I think after the game it was different, and I thought that you know the way they made that re- you know that really like small exit for Villa fans to get out yeah. of that we they were using them big like riot shields, like that was really unnecessary, and they were sort of pushing people, and it felt and we were talking to somebody yesterday about it, weren't we, and how they were saying that somebody was saying that they were staying in a hotel like, over the road from the stadium and they were trying to say to the police, I'm in the hotel over the road. And the police were just like, 
get on the bus, get on the bus to take you back to the Warsaw city centre, which was just an absolute joke. Um, I don't know, I think they wanted somebody to respond, if I'm being honest. Um, and I give credit, because not one Villa fan did, and it stayed very sort of civil, didn't it? And um, Villa fans were rightly annoyed, because they were still at the ground two and a half hours after the after the game. Um, mm. But give credit to Villa fans, they all stayed calm, after a lot having a drink, as well, if you remember. Um, but they stayed calm, and I think that's big credit to Villa, because it could have easily gone the other way, couldn't it? Yeah, we were on that very narrow path and it was pitch black and there was a really loud like automated voice saying the police have advised that you should get taxis and you'll only be allowed through like the riot shield wall once you've got taxis. It's like, how, how are 1,700 people meant towards a taxi? So I think people were like shouting a few bits at that. But you're right, nothing kicked off and it quite easily could have done. If, if one person responds, all the police, which there was loads of, by the way, so many were riot shields. There was like a bank of 10 on horses just stood there observing. Like it was a little bit, a little bit intimidating, if I'm honest. It was pitch black, like I said. Couldn't really see what was going on. Getting ushered onto these uh, buses, which were absolutely rammed in the first place. It was a hot evening. It was just a different experience, wasn't it? And ultimately... It, it went okay in the end. Like, yes, we were waiting around for an awful, awful long time. Got back on that bus, about 20 minutes back into Warsaw City Centre, back to where we were earlier on in the day. And then we had a, a nice walk home, didn't we? So overall, I think it was it was a really, really good day. It was a brilliant experience. And if if, if every game is like that in Europe, I'll probably take that. And I'd really, really look forward to it because it was a great experience. My first European away game in the Conference League, really enjoyed it. No, it was great. And as I said on previous podcasts, there's nothing better than following Villa in Europe. And um, yeah, it was the first taste of it for a while, for a long time for many of us and for the first time for some of us as well. And so, um, yeah, look, it was a great experience. Let down by the result a bit, but that's just the typical Villa way, isn't it really? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It was going to be too good to be true to go there and win, but I'm sure we'll uh, bounce back against Mostar. It's next week, isn't it? It's come rolling yeah. around fast, isn't it? Mostar at Villa Park on next Thursday. Looking forward to that. Yeah, got an awful lot of games all in like a tight schedule and all, a lot of them at home and um, even our away ones. We were saying yesterday, weren't we? Even our away ones coming up are local wolves and forests as well. So, yeah, mm. a lot of games in um, in a short space of time. But, yeah, looking forward to it. It's what you want to be, isn't it? You want to be in these competitions and you, know, you want to go far in these competitions and so I'm never going to moan about extra games because that, that's what we're in it for aren't we absolutely we love it and we got a 6am flight home from uh, Warsaw Airport on the Friday morning and I was in work on the Friday so uh, absolutely fantastic yeah really enjoyed it I mean I'm still a little bit tired from it now uh, but we'll move on to Chelsea on the Sunday uh, got the train down didn't we I mean we, we were thinking about getting the coach but I think the train from uh, Moore Street was probably the better option about 9 o'clock in the morning get down to London for about 11 have a couple of drinks and then get the tube over to Stamford Bridge which the journey was actually really easy wasn't it like I don't, I don't really like getting the coach to London because I mean I know it's a Sunday and it's probably a little bit quieter but I mean London's never quiet is it so I thought we'd, we'd get the train and it was it was good fun wasn't it yeah do you know what I like getting the train it was just uh it's that little bit more comfortable, isn't it? Um, and yeah, it was just yeah, it was nice and easy journey down there. Easy, easy, easy place. We you know we we were able to get drinks easily in the in the pub we went to, um, and then just like a nice easy easy journey across London to um, to Stamford Bridge. So yeah, it felt yeah the yeah the journey was really really good, something different. And as you, and as you say, getting the train to London, it's just it, it it's very easy, really, isn't it? As long as there's no strikes, obviously. But yeah, it was which yeah. there was, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but not 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 on the line that we were on. So yeah, it was it, it was all good. Yeah, I don't think either of us were uh, very confident, were we, going into the game? I just think I mean I remember sitting in the the away end at Warsaw after the game when we were waiting, and you were saying, "Don't fancy us on Sunday," and I would agree because just 
away from home so far this season. I mean, apart from Burnley, which we still conceded a pretty sloppy goal in. Just away from home, we've looked a little bit lax. And yes, we've always got that ability to score a goal, I do believe that. But just defensively, a little bit worried. And Chelsea, I mean, I watched them the previous week against Bournemouth and they couldn't score a goal to save their lives and they looked pretty crap. I think they sort of remind me of, maybe not Forest now because they're a little bit better, but Forest at the sort of start of last season where they've got so many new players. They just need that time to click because there's a ridiculous amount of them. They've spent so much money these players have never played with each other before they just look disjointed and there's no coercion and it's yeah you can tell with Chelsea they've signed so many players and it's not clicking but going into the game pretty negative weren't we yeah and it was pure well you know I think I've, I've, our judgement was probably being clouded by seeing us putting not a great display in Poland on Thursday night I think it was a lot of that but also just from the fact that we've been kind of naive away from home this season we've let a lot of goals in um, and you know we've gone, we've tried to go toe to toe with a lot, with like, especially Newcastle and Liverpool. We've tried to go toe to toe with them, and they've sort of picked mm. us off. And we haven't been as resolute, or you know, like that sort of defensive structure that we had last year. We haven't been doing that in away games this season. And obviously, as we keep saying, the loss of like Mings as well as the other players on the left, the Moreno and Ramsey and Buendia's this world. I think it's made it a lot harder for us um, defensively. Uh, so. Yeah, I think on the back of the defeat on Thursday night, um, I wasn't I wasn't confident. I, and I think you look at Chelsea, you just you do expect it at some point to turn around, don't you? Because you know I'm not, they've spent a lot of money. Okay, we don't know some of their players, but they've clearly got some good players. They, they they wouldn't have gone for so much money unless they were good players. And so you just kind of expect it at some point to to click, and you're hoping that you won't be the side that it happens against. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it wasn't. But yeah, I wasn't I wasn't confident. I mean, I predicted a three-one defeat, which looks absolutely ridiculous now. Yeah, I just think it was just it was just purely off the. Off, off, off the fact that we haven't been great defensively away from home and um, I kind of expected that to continue which I'm so glad it didn't I'm so so glad I was wrong and I said on the I said on the vlog before the game I never predict Villa to lose so maybe that's <laughs> something I'll have to keep up maybe I'll have to just predict that we lose every week or something there well exactly yeah and the team was more recognisable wasn't it obviously the big boys came back in but there was no Alex Moreno to be seen which I think is a little bit worrying I noticed him sort of uh, running on the pitch after the Warsaw game in Poland and he didn't quite look right I don't know if I'm just saying that now because I know he's out injured but he, he wasn't right no. moving properly he was running up and down the pitch and he, he didn't look like he was comfortable so I think Emery said didn't he after the Chelsea game that he's, he's going to wait a, a couple more weeks which is probably wise like he's been out for a long time but just frustrating isn't it I mean we'll come on to Luca Dean a little bit later but just missing Moreno with Ramsey coming back as well it's looking positive if you get Moreno back as well that is huge but a little bit frustrating that is isn't it yeah, it sounds like they've just slowed down his rehab, don't they? Like, remember what Emery was saying? He doesn't, he doesn't feel one hundred percent comfortable at the moment, which is why he hasn't had any game time. And as you just said, like he wasn't running, he wasn't sprinting as well as he probably should be after the game against Warsaw. So I, I think it was a difficult injury to come back from. You know, he's been out a lot longer than Ramsey, sort of thing. Um, he's mm. obviously had a bit of trouble with that injury, and so. Yeah, you hope we can get him back fit soon. I mean, I, I'm not too worried. I mean, from what Emery was saying, it doesn't sound like he's far away. It just sounds like they've just been a little bit overly cautious with him and just withdrawing him from the action for another week or two in the hope that, you know, he starts to feel a little bit more a little bit more comfortable. But, yeah, we need to get him back because he's such an important part of how we play with his pace, with his recovery pace, how he attacks, he's got good distribution. Um, we need to we need to get him back in Moreno. I think he's a really key player, a key player in that Emery system as well. We'll come on to it now while we're talking about it. Luca Dean in the um, in the Chelsea game. 
Going forward, I think he's really good. But I always say, if he's good going forward and he gets assists, just play him on the left wing. Because defensively, he always, always makes me nervous. And balls over the top, he lacks pace. I think there was one in the second half. Towards, oh, was it, it was the Sterling chance, wasn't it, where Martinez makes a good save. Just It looks like Dean's got this. From, what, from our angle as well, where we're right behind it, it looks like Dean's got this. But he's a little bit slow and he, he's never aware. And I think we've seen sort of goals this season that are like the same. I think the one at Newcastle early on where he switches off. I'm sure there's one against Liverpool. There's one in the Warsaw game, definitely, where he just switches off and sort of lacks that defensive awareness. And I mean, that's not ideal when you're literally a defender. So I think I, I just can't wait for Moreno to come back again. I don't think Moreno's the greatest defender in the world. I just think he's he's quick. He's got that recovery pace and he looks switched on defensively, which with Luca Dean, in my opinion, you miss. Yeah, I think Dean just struggles defensively up against teams who are quite direct and against teams who look to play the wingers in, in behind the fullback all the time. I think that's where he struggles and um, obviously we've seen him fall asleep a couple of times this season on the back post and he gets done and the opposition score. It happened at Liverpool, it happened at um, happened at Newcastle, happened at Warsaw on Thursday night. It's it's it's, it's difficult because it's, he's the only left out we've got at the moment. Um, yeah. So it is difficult, and I think going forward, as you say, he's been he's been pretty good going forward. He's got a lot of assists, and so he has offered us something there. But it does cost it does cost us goals, and it does worry me when he's up against somebody who's quite quick. And that yeah, that one when Sterling just sort of beat him for pace, and it was like oh my god, it's like it just felt like we were going to concede from it, didn't it? Um, so yeah, we we need to get Moreno back. It's disappointing with Dean a little bit because he's you know we paid twenty five million for him. I mean, he should be a real yeah. adequate sort of backup left back at least, shouldn't he? And um, you know, I think he, when, he, when he comes up against sides who aren't as direct and aren't as pacey, and he, he he's fine. He's absolutely fine. Like we saw against Palace, like he's absolutely fine in those sort of games. But um, yeah, I, he, he just gets caught out too too often for me, and and I, and I think. Even though we say he's good going forward, he's um, he's it's when he finds it's when he finds that space, he's good going forward when he can swing across in. Um, but if you look at Moreno, he plays very differently, doesn't he? He finds those like tight angles. Moreno does, and um, he's just quicker, isn't he? He's just a lot quicker, and I think it adds to our sort of attacking play. So I'm looking forward to getting him back. I think Dean's a, a decent member of the squad, but um, I'm looking forward to getting Moreno back definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And Chelsea sort of, you could tell early on they wanted to play that way. They've got a pretty pacey front line, like we've said. Sterling, Jackson, Mudrick, who was absolutely terrible again, by the way. Villa fans were chanting, what a waste of money. That was absolutely justified because, once again, he was absolutely horrific. Um, but that's just, you could tell early, couldn't you, that's the way they wanted to play, over the top, down the wings. And uh, it was causing us a little bit of problems. I just think their final product wasn't there. Yeah, and that's been Chelsea's problem, hasn't it? It's been Chelsea's problem for a while, that... They just can't put the ball in the back of the net and they haven't really got that... Obviously, with Nkunku injured, they haven't really got that out-and-out striker have they at the moment. Mm. Obviously, Broja's coming back from a long long injury layoff. And apart from that, they haven't really got an out-and-out striker. I know they've been playing sort of Jackson there, but he's more of a winger or a number 10, isn't he, rather than an out-and-out forward. And um, I said before the season kicked off, I was wondering how Chelsea were going to score because they don't really have anybody like who can put the ball in the back of the net on a regular basis. All right, they've got Sterling, but Sterling's not the same player as he was a few years ago for Man City, is he? Let's be totally honest. Yeah. That that is their problem. They do they do create they do create chances. I, I was talking to a Chelsea fan on on a preview last Friday and um he was saying that they do create a fair few chances but they just can't put the ball in the back of the net. Their composure in front of the goal is really poor and again we saw it. I mean I don't think they created loads, Chelsea. Um, I think the, the chances they did create, 
I think there were sort of saves that you'd kind of hope or expect your keeper to make and um, obviously Emmy Martinez is so you know he's so um, consistent for us and he usually comes up with at least one or two top draw saves a week doesn't he and he did that again he did that again definitely I mean there were saves that I'd expect your keeper to make don't get me wrong I don't think they were like world class saves but uh, you need to have a you know an alert goalkeeper to be able to make them saves, and that's what he did. But um, I don't think I don't think they created loads for the home side to be honest. And they had they had more they had more of the ball, they had more possession. Um, I don't think they created a massive amount, if I'm being honest. Yeah, they had the offside goal, didn't they? Uh, header from was it Nicholas Jackson? I think it was. Um, but I think I think the one Martinez saved for me was Chilwell. Literally, I think the timing of that said it all. Literally, I think we switched off a little bit. The, the high line was so incredibly high. I mean, I'm jumping forward here straight after the the Ollie Watkins goal. The the, the, the line was so incredibly high. Cashew, I thought, had a really good game. Got caught out by Chilwell one on one. It's again, it's a terrible finish. Martinez does well, but I think he he saved us there, didn't he? Absolutely saved us. So again, unbelievable from uh, Emmy Martinez. Got man of the match. Um, talk about the defensive line then, because I think we were talk- we've literally talked about it already, but. We caught Chelsea offside 10 times. Torres has been a lot of talk about him uh, so far this season and his defensive ability and how he's a little bit weak. But I thought him and, and Konza in particular were absolutely excellent. Obviously, Konza coming off that uh, new contract towards 2028, which is brilliant to see. Nice to see him tied down. Um, but I think Konza, especially on the ball, absolutely fantastic against Chelsea. And it's nice to see us. I mean, we... I can't remember who said it, whether it was Mings or Concer, but we've said previously that we sort of celebrate so much because we play that high line when we do catch someone offside. And to catch them offside 10 times in a game, really, really well done. Yeah, but I, yeah, absolutely. And what I think was really was really good about our defending yesterday was that we, we mixed it up, though. We weren't playing the high line literally constantly, though. There was, I think, I think we chose our time, our moment to do it. And we, yeah, we caught them offside ten times. But then there were spells in the game as well when Villa was sitting fairly deep as well, though, and Chelsea just couldn't find a way through us. And it reminded me of the win we had at Stamford Bridge last season when we had like the bank of six when we were defending. We we did that at times uh, yesterday. Um, obviously, we we had um, we had we had. Zaniolo dropping on the one side and McGinn dropping on the other side and it made that sort of six at the back uh, when we were defending and we didn't do that all game but we we, we mixed it up from doing that to then being the really sort of high line and, and then picking our moment perfectly to play that offside trap and yeah it worked great I think the um I think I think the defense had a really good game and I think watching Konza and Torres watching their sort of partnership blossom was really good as well I think Konza's sort of stepping up now to be that sort of leader but yeah. also what was really good to see that Torres was doing that organising as well yesterday though you you saw him come out of his shell a little bit and, and you know th- that's what it'll do I think the longer they play together the you know the stronger their partnership will get you know you've got to remember that Torres is coming in for Mings who who had a, a really, you know, years and years partnership with Konza. You know, it's been going on for years. And so you're not going to replicate that instantly, are you? It's going to take time. But there was there was signs yesterday that it's starting to starting to knit together. And I felt like Villa's, I felt like Villa's defensive structure was really good yesterday. Um, and it kind of, like I say, it kind of went back to the Unai Emery sort of performances from last season. And, you know, I think Emery will look at that and think, he would love to be more expansive away from home. He'd love to go to Stamford Bridge and 
St. James's Park and Anfield, etc., and absolutely dominate the game like we kind of do at Villa Park. Um, but I think sometimes you've got to just hold your hands up and say, you can't always do that. As a club like Villa, you know, we're not Man City. You can't always do that. And I think you have to sometimes, you know, dig deep, be, be, be a little bit deeper, have that strong defensive structure and sort of grind victories out. And that's what we were doing last season, the way. Um, and it kind of felt like that again yesterday. It wasn't totally the same, but it kind of felt like, like that, definitely. Yeah, it's not realistic to play teams off the park and have 60-plus percent possession of the ball in every away game. It's just not realistic. Um, we had a decent couple of chances, didn't we, in the first half? That Luca Dean volley was absolutely exceptional. I think if that's a little bit like a feet or two uh, to the left or right, I think he's he's absolutely got that in the top corner. It's a good save from Sanchez. Zaniolo had a chance as well from a corner again, which is right at the goalkeeper. It does make a decent save, but again, either side, that's a goal. So in terms of clear-cut chances, well, I wouldn't say the Dean one was a clear-cut one. Zaniolo one was. I think Villa would be happier at the break. I mean, talk about the referee adding on two minutes added time when he, there was three. That was bizarre. Again, at the end of the game, adding on 11, which was absolutely mental. Guesswork from the referees. But I think going into the break, you'd be absolutely content with 0-0, wouldn't you? Yeah, 100% you would. I said that at half-time. Like, I thought we... I thought we'd done well. I thought we created the big chances in the game. Um, okay, one was a, a world of a strike from Luca Dean, and then the second one, uh, it was a good set-piece routine that Zaniolo so almost scored off, and there were two really good saves by, by, by Robert Sanchez. But as you mentioned there about the referee, um, and again, we're talking about referees, but I just thought Jared Gillett had an absolutely awful game. I just thought he was absolutely abysmal. And like that that blowing up for half-time early just summed it up. But I think the other thing that summed it up was when VAR was checking for a potential Raheem Sterling red card. He elbowed Luca Dean in the face, and Luca Dean was bleeding. And then Luca Dean ended up getting booked for it. So, so apparently, <laughs> bizarre, bizarre. Apparently, getting elbowed in the face and and having a face full of blood is now a bookable offence. Apparently, so, I, I yeah, and and there was a few of them throughout the game. There was that tackle on McGinn um, early in the first half, which because it was so early, there was nothing. It was, and I said to you, I said mm. if that was half an hour in, that's a yellow card all day long. That is, um, mm. and yeah, just strange, strange decisions. And then obviously he went off to a chorus of boos from the Chelsea fans at half time because he. Literally Literally played about a minute of stoppage time. Um, even though, how do you do that? Like, know. how on earth do you do that? It's on your watch. It's on the big screen. Why and how do you do that? It's weird. I don't know. I I don't know whether he got all confused or something. I don't know because there was like there was like an injury <laughs> around that time as well, wasn't there? So I don't oh, know. It God. felt like he got all confused to me. It was it was all a bit bizarre. Um, but yeah, just again it sums up some of the referees that we've got and there was one as well like I don't know what this one must be the second half actually where there was a tackle I went absolutely mad on this one where there was a tackle on a Villa player I can't remember who it was and the ball like dropped to but I think it was Bailey um, in, in, in you know and if you just waited a second it would have been a perfect advantage oh. for Villa to have gone on to get another goal Awful. and yet he had to blow the whistle instantly didn't he and I always say the mark of a good referee is when they know how to play a good advantage just sort of delay decision one one and a half two seconds and just wait to see what happens and bring it back. You don't you don't need to blow you your whistle immediately. You didn't have to wait there though. It was blatantly obvious that Bailey was like one on one with the yeah. defender. It was really, really weird. So yeah, another another glorious refereeing <laughs> performance. <laughs> no, it's just guesswork, isn't it? Even with the linesmen and like giving corners when they should be throw ins or who's kicked it out, who's it come off last. It's just bizarre. There was a couple, wasn't yeah. there, down by the corner flag by the away and yesterday where it was absolute guesswork, you can tell. Because the referee looks at the linesman, the linesman looks at 
the referee. Neither of them point either way, and they give it about three seconds before they just guess. So really, really frustrating. I mean, ultimately, it didn't matter. Um, but one of the decisions he probably got right was the red card. I think we couldn't really tell when it first happened. I mean, he didn't look like a nice tackle. He gave the yellow card initially, mm. um, but it came up on the big screen. And looking at it since, yes, he wins the ball, but you can't go in studs up on someone's ankle. That the still on Luca Dean's ankle doesn't look great. He's gone in there, um, and that's a, that's a good example of VAR being used because it's a red card and Chelsea go down to ten. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you're right; you can't do that anymore, can you? You can't, you can't, you can't go in with your feet leaving the floor, and that's what. And that's what he did. Yes, he won the ball, but it doesn't matter. It was a dangerous tackle, and um, you know, Luca Dean was probably looking not to not not to be injured off that. Um, and so, mm. yeah, a good use of VAR. And I think, as we said all along, the technology is not the issue, is it? We I quite like VAR in terms of technology. I quite like it. I think it. I think it does. I think it does make the the right call a lot of well it does it leads to yeah, yeah. it leads to a lot yeah. of right correct decisions being made um, and so I'm not against that um, I just think it's the people who operate it who who who've, who've got issues and I don't think it's the it's definitely not the technology I think we needed that at that point the red card I, I'm not saying we wouldn't have gone on to win the game anyway but I think. You know, we could have gone on to look a little bit leggy after the game in Poland the other night as well. And I think the the, the one-man advantage probably helped us there, if I'm being honest. So after Gusto gets sent off, um, Pochettino brings on Chilwell. Obviously, a little bit more defensive stability. But I think as soon as that goal goes in, the Villa fans sort of wake up a little bit. The away end started to get a little bit more lively. We were seeing a lot more of the ball. We were getting more set pieces, weren't we? Corners, which I don't think were great. I mean, we were hitting the first man a lot from corners. Louise put one into the box, which was absolutely dreadful. You said it was one of the worst corners you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. But I think you could you could definitely tell that Villa were getting more on top. We were getting down the wings. Luca Dean and Matty Cash were seeing a lot of the ball. Cash especially was doing really well to drive at Chilwell and you could see that we were growing into the game and eventually proves well doesn't it and it's a different type of goal it's, I mean you, you expect us to be all over them pressure and eventually it comes but it's a counter-attack goal Diaby and Watkins who I thought were were pretty quiet all day to be fair especially especially Watkins he hardly touched the ball it felt like it was really really quick break and Diaby plays it to Watkins and it sort of feels like the uh, the chance has gone my commentary is that you know prove the haters wrong Ollie Watkins oh for God's sake when the chance goes Watkins prove the haters it's wrong, son. Oh, for God's sake. Absolutely slots it in, no doubt about it, between the goalkeeper's legs. And it's a really hard chance, to be fair, but I think he just instinctively hits it and uh, it goes to the goalkeeper's legs and we can't really see anything well I can't see anything anyway one because the steward was stood in the way and two because the away end is so like low down all I saw was it hit the post went in absolute scenes great finish and great to see Ollie Watkins get that first goal of the season eventually yeah we thought the chance had gone didn't we and then uh, it was a great finish it was a really great finish between the keeper's legs and uh, just exactly what Ollie Watkins needed as you say he had a really quiet game but the, you know those type of games can happen for forwards sometimes when they just come up against sort of strong defenders and they you know they can't they can't find a way through they can't find any space and um, but it's the mark of a good striker though you know you quiet all game and then you know you one chance and he takes it and that and that's the mm-hmm. thing I know he's had a bit of stick after at some of the missed chances he's had and um, but that I think that just sums Ali Watkins up doesn't it really he's out, he's not really in a game much and then he has one chance and he and he finishes it off beautifully and let's hope it's the start of like a nice run for Ollie Watkins now because um, you know fortunately this season we have been scoring goals without him but 
a, a you know a fire in Ollie Watkins you know really really helps the team out doesn't it and um yeah I was absolutely buzzing to see him score and yeah he really he looked like he really enjoyed it as well didn't he his celebration was like he looked like a load a lot a lot of relief a lot of like weight went off his shoulders as he as he scored that um so yeah I was absolutely delighted for him I mean, you could tell as soon as he scored, his confidence levels went up. He was he was seeing more of the ball. He was holding up better. His touch was better. You could just tell that confidence is there. And we know Ollie Watkins is like that. And he sort of had um, two celebrations in one, didn't he? He ran over to the corner where the Chelsea fans were. And there's some brilliant pictures of Chelsea fans getting all angry at that. And then he comes back over, tapping the badge. And sort of, you could just tell the relief was absolutely there with Ollie Watkins. And yeah, so, so pleased for him. Fair play to Unai Emery, because as soon as the red card happened, I, I was calling for Duran. I was calling for Ramsey to sort of make them substitution straight straight away and we were sort of getting on well I wouldn't say we were getting on the manager's back but we were sort of waiting for him to make the substitutions why is he why is he taking so long we've got you know we've got Bailey on the bench we've got Ramsey on the bench and I think they were waiting to come on weren't they uh, Ramsey and Bailey they were literally waiting to come on as soon as Watkins scores but um yeah, they do come on in the end, don't they? And it was nice to see Ramsey get on the pitch for the first time in the Premier League this season. Bailey came on, thought had a decent game, to be fair. Nice to see Ramsey back, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, JJ just offers you something totally different. He's such a he's such a good ball carrier. And, um, yeah, he's, he can sprint at teams and really sort of make something happen, especially down that left-hand side. And, um, yeah, we've, we've, we've definitely missed Jacob Ramsey. So having him back is a, is a real big plus point. But I think the midfield in general was a real big plus point, though. I think the, the performances of like Bubakar Kamara, uh, who I thought had his best game of the season, um, and then Douglas Luiz next to him, he was brilliant as well. And when you look at the money that Chelsea's midfield cost to put together, like so. Uh, Casado and uh, Fernandez, and then it's a two it's a two hundred million pound midfield with those two, isn't it? Fernandez and Casado. Yeah, and then you look at uh, Lu- Luis and Kamara, and it's what less than twenty. Ridiculous. Well, yeah, and then even the players we brought off the bench: Tillemans on a free, Jacob Ramsey through our academy, yeah, yeah. John McGinn two and a half million. I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, the lad they brought off the bench. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, uh, but um, he <laughs> he was like thirty million. Uh, yeah, I, d- I don't remember what his name was. It like Leslie something. I don't know. Um, but I, yeah, I don't I don't know what his name. Is, but he costs like 30 million anyway and so you look at like you said Wesley there no you said no, Wesley not, not quite he's like, his first name's Leslie Imagine. he's like Ugo Chikuku or something like that something like that yeah something like I that pro- I mean it wouldn't surprise me if Chelsea had signed Wesley but yeah. there you go not I really much. butchered that by the way so yeah, so, yeah. But, <laughs> but I told you I would um, but yeah just um, I thought our midfield was, um, was really really exemplary and um, essentially it's what it's what won us the game and that's the thing if you have a Anton Kamara Louise John McGee and Jacob Ramsey just really helps out. You've got such a strong sort of uh, midfield area there. Um, and then even like after that, we were able to bring on Tillemans, we were able to bring on Den Donker to see the game out late on. And not mm. bad options to have in that midfield area, is it? Yeah, Kamara was really good, I agree. Definitely his best game of the season. He started a little bit slow, um, but was very, very good against Chelsea. I think there was one occasion in the first half where Sterling's running towards goal at a little bit of pace, running at the defence, and he just barges him off the ball. He sort of turns on the ball and comes away with the ball, Kamara. He was absolutely fantastic. Louise, I thought, Louise is just an absolute joy to watch, isn't he? He's close. Yeah. Con- and they complement each other so much, though, don't they, Louise and Kamara? Because they're not the same player. They play in a sort of similar positions, but they offer stuff so different. You see Kamara dropping back into that defensive role. You see Louise getting forward and carrying the ball into those attacking spaces. I thought Louise. Was, was absolutely incredible his close control is like a magnet to his foot and again he's just an absolute joy to watch what would you do against Everton then we were talking about this on the train home weren't we Olsen Tielemans come in do you give McGinn who's played an awful lot of football he's been to Cyprus with Scotland Konza do you give him a rest what do you reckon I wouldn't make too many changes um, I think the only thing you've got to say I think Everton will make changes as well though um, yeah. and so 
we probably can afford to make more changes than we did against uh, or as many as we did against Warsaw I suppose as long as Everton make the same amount of changes McGinn probably needs a rest Luca Dean could do a rest really but I don't know who you'd play there that's the problem I'm not sure I, I, think, I think there'll be a few changes uh, but I think this competition's a really good opportunity for Villa as well though I mean you know you see some of the all Premier League ties already um, and you think yeah. the competition's going to open itself up and if you win in uh, round three on Wednesday you're already in uh, the fourth round and one more win you're in, you find yourself in the quarter final um, exactly so it's uh, I think it's a good I think it's a good opportunity for Villa to be honest with you and so I hope to see a fairly strong lineup because I, I just yeah I think we need to get through as uh, I think it's a really good opportunity so that that's what I'm hoping for I think there'll be a few changes um I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against seeing like Ollie Watkins up front with John Duran. You something know, different. Like, as something yeah, different. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against that because I think everyone's calling for John Duran just to start on his own. But then I think Ollie Watkins has just scored. Like you know, he, he had a decent rest against Warsaw. He only played what twenty odd minutes of that one, and so surely he could play for the first hour in this one. Yeah, absolutely. With the draw, like you said, there's plenty, plenty of all Premier League ties. I mean, the pick of the bunch is probably Man City versus Newcastle. Like, it's it's such a great opportunity. And you saw, I don't know whether it was last season or the season before, where you had the likes of, what, Charlton in, like, the quarterfinals going to Old Trap. Like, it can quite easily open up. If you get a little bit lucky with a couple of the draws, I think even, like, Sutton United are in there and they're playing somebody else from League Two. So, if you're a little bit lucky, you have that bit of luck, which Villa don't tend to have normally with cup draws. But if we get that, it could quite easily open up. So fingers crossed. Let's just get through uh, the Everton game and see what happens there. Definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I'm looking forward to to seeing what what we do, what we do with the team. But um, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm desperate for a good cup run. So fingers crossed, we 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 get through this. Um, this round. Oh, we say it every year, don't we? The magic of the cup and all of this and Villa find a way to, to sort of mess it up. But hopefully um, it all comes good. But like like you said, looking forward to, to Wednesday's game against Everton. The league table's looking healthy now. Villa up to sixth, um, averaging two points per game, which if you do that over the course of the season is, is Champions League football, essentially. That's an incredible record to have. And I mean, look at the games we've played. Though. We've played four away out of the six games. We've played four away. And we've, um, you know, picked, picked up four wins out of six, which is very decent. And you've got the likes of Chelsea away, Newcastle away, Liverpool away. Come away from that two points a game. It's not bad, that is it. I mean, you probably give it another five or six games to sort of see where the table's at. You've got Brighton up there in third, who is our next Premier League game, which we'll talk a little bit about in a bit. But league table's looking healthy now, isn't it? Absolutely. Do you know what? I think it's been a real a real excellent start in terms of points. I think, you know, we've lost we've lost the Newcastle and Liverpool probably games you'd expect us to lose. Um and we've won the games you'd expect us to win, and then got a decent, a good win at Chelsea. And I don't want to say that you expect to win at Chelsea. I know that they've not been great for a while, um, but it's not like we've gone to an easy place though. They've still spent absolute crazy amounts of money with a, a real elite manager in charge. And so I don't want to say it's like going to Burnley and getting a win, is it? Because it's not like that. Um, but I think the start's been great, and I think when you look at, yeah, you're right. Four, four of the um, four of the games have been away. Uh, two of them against Newcastle and Liverpool, two teams who will be competing for that top six. Um, the injuries we've had as well, the disruption that we've had at the back, you know, you think of Mings, Carlos, Brendia, Jacob Ramsey, Moreno, a lot of people out injured, a lot of people. Um, and so I think I think we've started really, really well. And I think the thing that I think the thing that pleases me is Villa's um 
ability to bounce back from defeats you know we we we, we do that time and time again these days that's the um, hallmarks of a good team isn't it essentially if you can do that if you can bounce back from a from a poor defeat um it, it, it just shows you the, the mentality and the mindset of the squad that we have and um so a big you know, big full credit to Emery and the players for being able to do that because Thursday night was poor, Thursday night was poor and it came to the game yesterday and we all kind of were like, yeah, you know, we, we could do the win here, which felt mental really because obviously we beat Palace last week at home so it wasn't exactly like pressure was on to win yesterday but because of the defeat on Thursday it kind of felt like it was um, and the players were able to deliver on that um, and so yeah, the start's been really, really good. I think back to this time last year when, uh, you know, when we were losing every single week we could hardly score a goal we couldn't keep him from going to the back of the net and just moments think how, of magic moments of magic yeah I just think how how far we've come in the last year um, mm. and yeah so our start's been great and um, hopefully we can use it as a platform to build on and I think I said yesterday I expect Villa's second half of the season to be better once we've got better understanding of partnerships in the team once we've got players back fit and firing like Ramsey Moreno I would I'd expect Villa's second half of the season to be even stronger and that bodes well, doesn't it? Really, when you when you look at when you look at our points return after 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 just these few games. Yeah, definitely. I think it bodes well that you can play in Europe on a Thursday, come back to the UK and play on a Sunday, and still look very very decent. I think that was always the question mark, wasn't it, at the start of the season? Can this Villa team, who's so new to Europe, or you know, minus the new signings, so I think we did well there because obviously a lot of them have got European um, experience. But it was always going to be so hard for these players who, you know, you look at you look Cash Watkins, these players who have come to Villa from the Championship and now playing in Europe. And there's a lot of games. There's an awful, awful lot of games. How are we going to adapt to that? Because last season, yes, it was very good, but you had Saturday to Saturday, you had that more time. So the question mark at the start of the season was how how can Villa adapt? And I mean, it's still incredibly early. We've only had one European game but it bodes well doesn't it yeah it does it does and I think if I think I think if the the fringe players can start to show their worth and show their bit of quality because obviously we're going to need to use them in in some of these cup games um mm. I think we'll I think I think we'll be we'll, we'll be looking really good look it was disappointing to lose on Thursday night it really was and as I've already said it it was a bit of um it was a bit annoying because it it, it does make things that little bit more difficult for us but um, that's what we need we need to see the likes of Tielemans Longley Chambers Duran etc Bailey all step up these sort of fringe players we have to have that because we're not going to get through the season playing 60 odd games or whatever it might be Um, with just a first 11 it's not going to happen and so um, we, I feel quite confident with our first eleven. It's just when it gets past that, and that's what the mm. that's what the players need to prove now. Is that these fringe players need to prove why why they should be sort of challenging for that first team space. Absolutely, and we were touching it really, really briefly. Brighton on Saturday, some test that is. That's the, the lunchtime kickoff at Villa Park on Saturday. That's going to be some test. I mean, like I said earlier, Brighton sitting in in third place, and everyone raves about them, and they deserve it because they've been incredible this calendar year. But in the 2023 league table, Villa are above them, so it's 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 going to be a really, really big test. Again, they got a really good result against Bournemouth um, on on Sunday afternoon, beating them three one. Mitoma coming off the bench and getting a brace. He's an unbelievable player, by the. Way. Way. so that game that's 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 that promises a lot doesn't it I mean on touch wood it's, it's not going to be nil nil which I, I, I don't know I might, might even take to be fair but it's going to be some test at Villa Park that is but like I said in the previous podcast we've won nine out of nine in the Premier League at Villa Park so it's going to be difficult for Brighton as well yeah it would be I think it'd be a really good game two really good sides play really good football 
Um, two great managers going up against each other again. But at Villa Park at the moment, you fancy this against anybody, don't you? And so while while it will be a tough test and the defence has got to be on point that game like it was yesterday, um, I'd I'd still back us. I still back us at Villa Park against anybody. Um, and so I think it, I think it'll be a really good game. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully the uh, the atmosphere is decent as well, live on the television. Um, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe to wherever you are listening, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Please do subscribe so you never miss an episode. Like I said earlier, go and check out the recent videos on Villa on Tour. Lots of decent ones to go and watch over there. Won't be a video for Everton. Um, as you probably know, there's plenty of empty seats there. I don't think the atmosphere is going to be great. I thought I'd just have a bit of a chill one for Everton. So I'll see you back on Villa on Tour on Saturday against Brighton. Up the Villa. Oh, 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 o